Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace. We started learning about the power of speaking. How, as believers, we cannot underestimate, we cannot forget the fact that the things that we know, the words that have been spoken to us, the things that we believe, it's not just enough to know. It's not just enough to believe, but we have to speak these things. We have to continue proclaiming these things. It's in the speaking that the things that we know and believe are manifest. Okay, when God wanted to create the world, he spoke, and what he spoke came into being. So we see this in the power of words, like the way God operates, the way the spiritual world operates. It's, there is this thing about words. Um, so I just wanted to use today to um, expound our understanding on the power of the word. Okay? So uh, it's an interesting discourse that, I mean, it's part of the foundational things that we ought to know. You know, I am, by the grace of God, most of my, my thoughts or my understanding of the gospel, I'm always excited more about things relating to foundations, like things that are core to our faith, okay? Those core doctrines, those core principles that keep you all year long, that keep you throughout your life, that keep you through every season, that, that form the pillars of your growth, as a believer, that form the pillars of your full manifestation, that if, you, if you're going to manifest, if you're going to succeed, if you're going to grow, if you're going to come to the fullness of all that God has in store for you, this, these are one of the things that must be strong in your understanding and in your everyday life. And that is the power of the word. Now, before I go into this teaching, I want to paint a picture for us. Words. So, um, there is a, the one of the teachings Mr. Daniel gave to us on one Wednesday. Um, he said something. He said, words carry spirit. And that phrase, that words carry spirit, I've, I always, I've always been thinking about it since he said it. And since that, I mean, over months, over some months ago, and I, I want to illustrate something to us. So, if you see a word, if I write, if you come to this room, just come and you see, I love you, written here on the wall. You just see, I love you, written. What, how would, what would that word mean to you? Would it mean anything to you? Would it mean something to you? How would you take it? How would you interpret it? What would you do with it? <laughs> what would determine your response or your understanding of that word that is written on the wall? Just written, I love you. Or maybe someone passes you a note. You don't know who passed you a note. You just open a note and you see, I love you. So, at that point, would that I love you make any meaning to you if you don't know who gave it to you? 
if you don't know who wrote it. <laughs> okay, so typically we see if one more thing happens. So if you saw that note and then there is a signature below it with the person's name. So maybe it's your wife or it's your pastor or it's your friend or someone you know or it's your, it's your brother or it's your sister, someone you know. And the person's inscription, signature is there. Automatically, what happens? The words have meaning, becomes, gains meaning. Now, that's one step. The next step is the meaning of the word would it mean the same thing if, if the name there was your wife and if the name there was, they say, your dad? the name there was your brother, the same word, I love you, would the meaning change depending on the person's name that is there? The meaning will automatically change. So if you saw the same words, but it was your wife that wrote it, automatically it means totally different, something totally different. It means you would cherish it, you understand what you're seeing is that word automatically conveys that person to you. So the word only carries meaning based on who is behind the word, right? Okay, so that is what it means when we say that words carry spirit. It means that the word doesn't convey the heart of a person that is already existing. And you know, when we say spirit, spirit is your disposition, who you are, your heart, your character. So you're able to put in your thoughts, who you are, what you represent, and structure it in words. And then that word automatically, whoever sees that word, if that person knows you, <laughs> would be able to understand so someone can only understand those words if they know you. Okay? So we see this um, same character in God as what God did. So we start from the beginning. Okay? So in John chapter 1, verse 1 to 4, the Bible tells us that in the beginning was the word... And the word was with God. And what? The word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. So, the first thing we see here is that God identified himself as the word. So, and God, so it means that God is able, the entirety of his being, the entirety of everything that he represents, his full, the fullness of his heart, who he is, 
can be characterized or represented, or I'll say, you can say, can be encapsulated, oh, sorry, encapsulated in the word. <laughs> because for him to equate himself to the word, it means that the word, there is nothing about him that it's not in that word. So it means that the word can be a substitute. So he says, and the word was God. Okay? So the word is God. And you can say God is the word. All right? So this is the first thing. Now, um, I was having a discussion with some of um, our refinery guys yesterday. And I asked the question, is it possible for you to know everything about a man in a writing. So if I, maybe, for example, someone writes his own autobiography, right? And is it possible for you to know everything about that man from that book? Okay? And that was the... Why? Why wouldn't you be able to know everything about that man from that book? Okay, because, I mean, the man might not be able to write everything, or he might miss out some things, he might forget some things <laughs> about his life. Or after he wrote the book, his life might even change. <laughs> after the things he wrote, even while he's writing the book, his life will probably be changing, okay? Now, but... When it comes to God, I beg to differ. Because, and I will get, I'll come to show us. It is actually possible for everything about God to be in a book <laughs> written. Everything. Because why? Because of the fact that the Word is God. Because him, the, his character, his person, he has equated his person to being the word. So it means that the word <laughs> can represent all of him. And we know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. All right? Nothing about him changes. So, um, so that's the first thing I want us, that's the first we're going on a journey, so just go with me. The first thing we want to understand is that everything about God is in the Word. The Word is the full expression of God. And nothing missing, is, the Word contains everything. So there is nothing about God that I cannot see. No detail, no expression, nothing. Everything is in the Word. Okay? Now, if you read down in this scripture, you now see something else. What does the Bible say? If you go down to verse 14, the same scripture, it says what? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay. Now we go to the next step. What happens? The Bible says, this word 
became what? Flesh. Okay? That brings another question. Is it possible for the entirety of God, as big as God is, to be encapsulated in flesh, in this physical body that we are seeing? Is it possible? Yes, it is. The Bible says, the word became what? Flesh. So it means that everything about God, his entire being, the fullness of him was encapsulated, brought together, and it became flesh. It didn't just, it's not just it became, it, it is, it, the Bible emphasizes it, flesh. So it's human flesh. It's not a spirit walking on the earth <laughs> or a ghost. It's what human flesh became flesh. He didn't just stop there. He said, and he dwelt amongst us. And what? We saw him. <laughs> we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. We saw him. Okay? This idea was not just expressed here. So when you see something expressed by almost all the apostles, expressed in various passages in scripture, you begin to see that that is truth. Okay? So we see in verse 18, if you go down, the Bible says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, has what? Has declared Him. So, before Christ came, this was true. No one has seen God at any time. We've not seen God. But what does it say? But the Son has what? Declared Him. So we can now see Him. But the Son, He has what? Declared Him. If you also see, we're going to read through some scriptures. So Joshua, you're going to have me flip to our normal... Um, Bible. So let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. So we're going to just go through this scripture so that we would see the various expressions of this so that it settles in. Okay, so what does it say? Let's go together. It says, He is the image of what? The invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. What is an image? A picture, right? A re- a, a, an image, a, rep- a representation of him. He is the image of the invisible God. So, <laughs> the, for the Bible to emphasize that he is the image of the invisible God, it means that we know that God is invisible. We can't see God. <laughs> but Christ is the, the visible representation of the invisible God. Right? So, for him to say he's the image, it means he's the visible representation. Um, next verse. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, 
visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Does this sound like what we read in John chapter 1? In the beginning was, the word was with God and the word was God. In him, nothing was made what that was made. Without him, nothing was made that was made. Again, this is poor writing. It says, sorry, back to 16. And it says what? All things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth by him. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. Next verse. And he is before all things, and in him what? All things consist. Next verse. And he is the head of the church, the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have what? Preeminence. Continue. For it pleased the Father that in him what? All the fullness should dwell. It pleased God, okay, <laughs> to put the fullness of himself, the fullness of everything in this world, in him. It says, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things in, on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Okay? Let's go to... This is... So, actually, when I read this, I'm like, wow, this is powerful. This is very core. Cool. And this is Paul writing to Colossian Church. So, what happens... So, so it means this... As, well, that was when Paul was writing. This means that these Colossian guys are enjoying this thing alone. <laughs> They were enjoying of this truth. Were they enjoying of this truth? Because it seems like this is so profound. It's the only then that could that Paul wrote this thing to. And then I said, let me just check another and then I went to Ephesians chapter one. Let's go to Ephesians chapter one. Okay, verse twenty. Okay. Okay, start from let's just flip one more verse back so that we can it says so that we can start from a full sentence. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, verse 20, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Next. Far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in that which is to come and he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all the fullness of him who fills all in all. So you see again, Paul 
talking to the Ephesian church and telling them, confirming this fact that the fullness of God, everything, everything about God is in Christ. The fullness has been put in him. So we started from the fact that the fullness of God is in the word. And then we saw that the fullness of the word became what? Flesh. Everything in this world became flesh in Christ. Then what's the next thing? It doesn't stop there. Please, let's go back to the slides. The fullness in human flesh. The fullness of God. Let's, it's something to ponder on. Something to ponder on. Then um, we see the next thing. When he came to this earth, he lived. So we saw, we beheld his glory, right? As of the only begotten of the Father. But he came with a message. He came for a reason. Okay? The next thing is, when he came, he expressed his, himself in a particular way. He says, he expressed himself in the gospel, in his dying. He came and said, why, why, why did he come? He came so that he would die for us and express the mind of God to us, which is in the gospel. So when we, let's read, if we open, to, open our Bibles, and we're not going to leave here, open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 1, you'll see the next point. It says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us what? by his Son, who, being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins. What does that mean? It means that he's upholding all these things, the whole world. He's having this dominion, this might, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he purged our sins. So it's at the purging of our sins, at the manifestation of the cross, that the fullness of this power is dwelling. It's hanging on the cross. It's hanging on the work of the cross. It wasn't hanging just on Jesus Christ came to live on the earth. It was hanging on the work of the cross. So the next thing I would find out is that the entirety of God, the entirety of the message of, the cro- of, of God, the entirety of the person of God has been encapsulated in this cross. In the dying of Christ for our sins. So, we start from God being what? The Word. The Word becoming what? Flesh. The flesh dying on the cross. Him dying on the cross was a representation of the gospel. It represented something. It represented something. We're going to see the next thing. So why did he die? We're just going somewhere. This, this understanding would, um, once, once he rests in us, I don't want us to stay with me, once he rests in us, it would breathe 
a new life for when we look at, when we think about the word of God. It says, and through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything, heaven and on earth, by what? The means of the blood of Christ, of the, of Christ's blood on the cross. Next verse. This includes you, who were what? Once afar off from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. 22. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ. In his what? Physical body. This is where it gets interesting. As a result, tell your neighbor, as a result. Say it again, as a result. He has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless and stand before him without a what? Single fault. 23. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant. Now, I want to mention one more thing here before we see the last part. It says, now you have come into this truth. The word, the full word, okay, doesn't stop at, okay, this is what Christ did. The next thing was, he brought us into that. And this work has now become a message that has become the good news. That thing he did, he didn't just stop being there. It was now, it's now a news. It's now something to talk about now. That news, Paul says, I have become what I've been appointed as God's servant to just what? Proclaim it. Now, in the proclamation of that news, the next thing, the entirety of God is now encapsulated in the words, that message. In the proclamation of that message. In that news, that news that, of what he did, carries that, remember our journey, from God to the word, the word, flesh, flesh to the cross, the cross to our lives, and then the message. The same, there is no missing part from this journey. It's the fullness, the fullness, the fullness, the fullness, the fullness. It keeps going from stage to stage. It keeps going. The fullness of God is expressed in all of this. What does it say? Next verse. And they speak of how you are looking forward to this coming to the coming of God's Son, whom he raised from the dead. He is one who has rescued us from terrors and coming judgment. Oh, sorry, this is wrong. The same scripture. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1, verse 23, I think. Okay, next verse. I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. 
for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. Next verse. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his what? Entire message to you. 27. Sorry, 26. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but what now has been revealed to God's people, a message that has been kept secret for years, for centuries. How, what does that tell you about the worth and the power of that message? What is the message? <laughs> what is this message that was kept secret? What is this secret message that even angels desire to look into like we, like we know? What is that? Verse 27. For God wanted them to know that the riches of the glory of Christ are what? For the Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Tell your neighbor, this is the secret. This is the secret. Christ lives in you. Christ lives what? In you. This gives you the assurance of what? Sharing his glory. Amen? So, what does that now tell you? Remember our journey. <laughs> God, the word, Christ in the flesh, Christ on the cross, birthing the message of the gospel, bringing us into this message, the, encapsulating this message, his entire self in this message. And when we believe it, it says, he did all that so that he will come into us. He would come into us and show the world <laughs> so, that he can, so that he will just come into us and for us to know that we can share his... So, tell your neighbor, in you dwells the fullness of God. Nothing missing nothing broken the fullness of God dwells in you every part of God everything that God represents dwells in you this reality is the secret that has been hidden for the ages this reality is the reason Christ came to, to the earth to die for us this is what God is all about that he can come and live in mere flesh and express his fullness. So, the next question, is it possible for the fullness of God to be inside you? Is there any part of the person of God that you do not carry? No. Every part of who God is, every part of what God represents, every part of what God can do dwells in you. Amen? 
Now, does it stop there? <laughs> uh, please, let's go back to the... I also want us to brood on this. What does it really mean to us that the fullness of God dwells in us? Let's look at another scripture that would blow our minds. You know, there is this thing I read somewhere. First, uh, there is this thing I read somewhere um, that says, "We do not speak profoundly about the word." I cannot come and try and try to be like what I'm doing. I cannot come and try to speak profoundly about the word of God. No. The word of God is profound in itself. We just look at the word and then Christ is beautiful. You know why it's profound? Because of the person that the word is carrying. <laughs> okay? That I love you can mean so much depending on who wrote it. Depending on who the, who the word is carrying. So the, this word has the ability to carry the entirety of God. The entirety of God. Amen? First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. This message, the Bible says, this message of the cross is foolishness to those who are what? Perishing. Why is it foolishness to them? Why can't a non-believer understand this message. I mean, it's simple to you guys, right? I mean, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Is it not simple? <laughs> it's straightforward to believe it, but why does it sound foolish to other people? Because they don't know the person that wrote it. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Because they don't know him. Right? That's why it sounds foolish. With the message of the cross. Just like seeing, I love you. You don't know, no, no signature. No, you don't know who wrote it. It's not, it doesn't mean anything. Right? To those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is what? The power of God. This, it says the, the message of the cross, the message of the cross is the power of God. The message. What have we been doing since from time in, from since first time to now in church? What do we do? It's just this message <laughs> that we are talking about. That's all we've been talking about for the last 2,000 years. But what, what are we seeing? The message is producing what? Has produced all the wonders that are seen in the world today in, for, from the Christian faith. Next verse. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Verse 20. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? 
For since, in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. So you can see the issue here. Because through wisdom, we could do not, the world did not know God. It pleased God. So why, 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 what excites me about this is that the fact that Christ, God wants to express himself in us, he's just doing it for his pleasure. <laughs> you know how a big man can just decide, hmm, let me just play with something and say, ah, maybe I'll just use... Maybe, um, yeah, owner of a company or a president, a minister is, is doing one kind, doing anyhow. He just says, okay, let me just show this guy something. He dethrones him and he uses, he appoints his, um, his driver to be a minister. And the driver, for the, tell that guy to report to the driver <laughs> just for fun, for his pleasure. So God can decide to express the fullness of his power in mere flesh for his flesh. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So this message sounds foolish, but it's foolish, yes, we know it's foolish. <laughs> but God decided in his pleasure to use it to save those who believe, to, save, to, to present his mysteries. Verse 22. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. Yes? But we what? Preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block and to the Gentiles what? Foolishness. But to those who are called, but to me and you, Christ is the power of God and what? The wisdom of God. Amen? Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, According to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. Now, I'm going somewhere, but before I go there, this is continuing from what we learned on Wednesday, what Dr. Phil taught us. We do not only understand this reality, the power of God is in the message, it's in the words, it's in the proclamation of these words. It's in the, because we understand that these words, the word of God, the message of the cross, and everything that it represents carries the entirety of God, carries the fullness of God. So if you believe it, you would what? Speak it. If you believe it, you would what? Proclaim it. If you believe it, it will be in your mouth every day. Verse 14. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with him and will present us with you. 15. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving and abound to the glory of God. Next verse. Therefore, we do not lose heart. 
Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Next verse. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So we see this thing that Christ is in me. The Bible says, for we have this treasure in earthen vessels. For what reason? So that the excellency of the power will be of what? God. And not of us. So, do not find yourself thinking, small me, weak me, how can me, (laughs) where did I start, (laughs) where am I going, what do I know? What do I understand? Do not be caught thinking that. Why? Because God has decided to use the earthen vessels, to use the weak, seemingly weak things of this world to express his power. God has decided. So what you have, you are actually <laughs> you actually have the advantage. The fact that you are in the flesh and you do not have anything to boast of means that you are the right person. <laughs> because the God has decided to express himself, to show himself. <laughs> Just like... Um, what's his name? Um, I'm forgetting his name. Samson, yes. Using the jawbone bone to, to kill people. <laughs> what does that tell you? Is the power in the bone? If you see somebody using bone to fight people with swords and everything, can you say that this person's might is in the bone? Of course not. So the fact that he's using bone is because he wants to show that there is a higher power that is not that bone. The fact that he has decided to use us is to show out of his pleasure that he can use earthly vessels to showcase himself. Amen? Amen. So, this word, the next thing I want to, in rounding up, the next thing I want to emphasize on for us, for us to just think about is Everything in this world was created by words. Everything that we see today, your whole life was formed by the words you have heard from when you were born. Everything you know now, who you are now, what you believe, what you can do, what you cannot do, has been formed by the words you were hearing from when you were born till now. So, because God says that, because that's the way God has designed his world, because the worlds were framed by words. Okay? If I want you to do something, how will I make you tell you to do something? I will put it in words, and I'll give it to you, and eventually you will start doing that thing, right? If I have power over you. Now, the next question I have for us is this. What words are surrounding you 
right now? What words are you hearing right now? Because the words you are internalizing right now are framing your life. The words you are the words you are hearing, look at this. The words you are hearing are framing you. The words you're speaking are framing your your world. <laughs> Do you see? So the words so think about this. When you come to church, how do you behave? Because you are in an atmosphere where the words that you're hearing here are what spiritual words, are words of the spirit. Your behavior here is according most would be according to those words, most likely. Because if someone, if you bring someone that is maybe going through, let's say for example, going through an addiction, okay? And the person is here. If the person is here now, and that urge comes, do you think the person would give in, satisfy that urge right here? <laughs> Why? Because at that point, he's taking in contrary words. The words he's receiving is not allowing him to do it. <laughs> the words he's receiving at that point is framing him at that point. Now, if you go to your house, what words are in the atmosphere of your home? If you have a family, what words are going around in your home? That would determine how the people in your home, your children, would be. The words that are floating around the words that are being spoken, the words that are heard, and the words that are what? Spoken. That is why, at the time, as we will say, if, if you, as believers, if you have friends that, if all your friends, you cannot talk the word with them, then you need to question your friendship. If your closest friends are those that you cannot talk about spiritual things, <laughs> When you guys are hanging out, when it's during the week, when you leave here today and you go and you're thinking of hanging out, and the people that you call and you spend your time with, there are people, you, all you're talking about, nothing, nothing spiritual, nothing in line with your faith. The words you're hearing are going, are going to frame how you behave. I would urge us. Those friends are not the right friends for you. Because they are definitely speaking, they are not, let me not, let me not say, they are not speaking the right words for you to go where God wants you to go. Amen? So, what words, the words that you hear form you, the words that you speak form your world. So, 
the people around you, if everybody has an atmosphere around them, that's people you just meet. If you spend some time with them, it's, the Bible says words carry spirit, so their, who they are comes out in every, what they say, what they talk about. So you would begin to feel a particular atmosphere. You begin to feel a particular sense. You begin to feel who they are carrying. Because words are a representation of a person. So, what does it mean when the Bible says we, are, we carry the fragrance of Christ? How do we carry the fragrance of Christ? How would I meet a person and the person would know that the person would even have an idea of who Christ is? How? In the words that I speak, in the things that I talk about, that is the only way, because the person of Christ has been embedded in those words. So if I am a carrier of those words, I am indirectly a carrier of the person of Christ. So when I speak those words, I'm not speaking those words, I'm not talking about the message, I'm not talking about the Christ, the, I'm not talking about the message of the cross to show who I am. No. I carry somebody. So, the words I'm speaking, when, that is why wherever you go, you will see the same manifestation of the gospel. So, wherever you go that the gospel is preached, the same thing happens. The same experiences. People have the same experiences. If you go to the U.S., if you go to Afghanistan, if you go to Iraq, <laughs> like I'll read, I'll read an article this morning. It really touched me about Iran, how the message of the gospel is growing in Iran, um, has grown drastically over the last 10, 20 years, it, even despite the fact that Iran is a majority Muslim nation, over 90% Muslim. We're talking about the work of believers there, how... I mean, they, they have to worship in hidden places, they are, how people have been persecuted. Now, it, it, you mentioned one of the key leaders of the church then that was persecuted, that was killed. That's what he said before they killed him. He said it, he said it in his own words, but it was exactly what Paul said when he says, for me to live, for me to live is Christ, but to die again. He just he said it was a long speech, but everything he was saying there was that he is happy. He is happy to die and go and be with the Lord. <laughs> if he was living, everything he's living about was for Christ. So he's very happy to be killed because he knows that when he dies, he's going to be with the Lord. So that speech, I mean, we know that. Christianity, the word of God cannot be caged. So you know, even under persecution. That the more you persecute, the more it grows. <laughs> the more the gospel grows, right? The more believers. So that was what happened in Iran. And I thought about it. This thing this guy is saying, for him to be able to say it in his own words, there is a spirit behind what he is saying. It's that same spirit. It's that same person that was in Paul when Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's that same spirit. So if you're carrying that person, everything you say, no matter how you express it, <laughs> in whatever words you choose to express it, 
would carry that same person, would bring about the same emotions, would bring about the same convictions, would bring about the same lifestyle, would bring about the same cravings, would bring about the same nature as it would whoever, in whatever way it is said, as long as it is expressing that person. So when you are speaking, when you are creating an atmosphere in your home, when you're creating an atmosphere in your community, whoever you relate with, we must be mindful about what fragrance are we carrying around us? What fragrance are we carrying? When people meet you, are they perceiving the fragrance of the person of Christ? Amen? Because the words that you speak, so that is how you would begin to, the things around you will begin to express that person. Things around you will begin to see, you begin to see more of the person of Christ. So, I close with this. If you let the word of God pervade your life, if you let the message of the cross invade your life, Automatically, what are you doing? Who is invading your life? God. So if the words of God pervade your life, God will pervade your life. If the things that, if the thoughts and the discourse, this message pervades you, if it's all over you, it just means that God is all over you. And when God is all over you, everything about him, he comes with his being, he comes with himself, he comes with his character, he comes with his abilities, he comes with everything. So, you will, God will pervade your life. You would express him. You would do what he can do. You would say what he can say. You would be where he can be. You would do as he is. That's why the Bible says, as he is, what? So are we. As he is, so are we. Tell your neighbor, as he is, so are you. As he is, so are you. Because that is the mystery of the gospel. That is the mystery of why we are here. That is a mystery. The secret of the ages. Hallelujah. Christ in me, the hope, the hope, the assurance that I would I have the glory of God. The assurance that I express the glory of God. The assurance that I share in His glory. When, when that song that says you will never share your glory with anybody. Almighty God. That is your name. <laughs> no. His glory has been shared. We carry his glory. And it's, it's pleasing to him carry his glory. Amen. Let's jam those hands together for Jesus. This concludes this message. 
Thank you for listening, and for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.